In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today. Live on The Voice of Charity. Okay. Alright, thanks, Miguel. Thank you. you ready? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And welcome back to another week on the Catholic Toolbox, the art of practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manassa, here as we equip you with practical tools to live your Catholic faith in our modern world of today. And this week, I have in the flesh Deacon Harold. Welcome yes. to Australia. Yeah, thank you, George. Great, Great to, have to be you with here. you, my friend. Thank you know, you for so two much. years you've been on the show and it's all been via Zoom and especially in lockdown, we, we went out of the studio, but it's great to be here in the flesh. Nothing beats the flesh. Absolutely. And we Absolutely. just had a great conference there uh, with you, yourself and Tim Staples and Dr. Robert Haddad and I think we're, we're all on fire yeah. after it. So Amen. thank you very much for being thank with you. me here today on the Catholic Toolbox. And you gave a tremendous talk on racism. And uh, it's a funny story between you and I. It goes back to about a year ago, back in the Black Lives Matter. Yes. <laughs> and in fact, I write about it in the book. And when I start off that section... I got a mention in the book. That's you did? Nice. No, because I, I, I shared that story to illustrate. And I think it's a great way to draw people yeah. in yep. uh, to, to the issue of some of the misconceptions and, you know... Um, uh, uh, when I talked about when people are making judgments yeah. without any uh, subjective experience or, ob- or, or objective reality or knowledge, yep. then we, we end up with prejudiced types of statements. And it happened to me with you, you know? <laughs> it was a funny story. I, um, we, we, we brought out the, uh, the, uh, the advertisement or the, or the promo one day before I'd given it to you as well. You shared it on your social mm-hmm. platform. I'm just simply Black Lives Matter. Deacon, I guess Deacon Harold yeah. <laughs> on the Catholic toolbox. And it sort of blew up. People thinking that you were supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. movement I mean, yeah. it was so funny. It's, <laughs> I remember telling you that, asking you, uh, should we remove it? Should we yeah. take it down? Yeah. <laughs> and Not I to said, cause scandal? Yep. And I said, no, because now people are going to have to actually listen to what I have to say. Exactly. You know, exactly. And, and uh, so we got I some good, view, good views yeah, on that did. one. Yeah, we good did. Views. And then people, of course, when they found out that I actually, you know, nothing wrong with the words Black Lives Matter, but the movement itself is not good. So, so that's what I was, uh, that's what we were addressing. Exactly. You know? But uh, so the very things that I was talking about today um, at, the, at the conference are the same issues that was a, re- a reality for us on this show. Exactly. Exactly. And what is racism? Because I feel like today, I mean, someone, I, I myself, I have a Lebanese uh, 
ancestry. Uh, you yourself were born, born in Barbados. And we all uh, have some kind of an ethnic background, but it's interesting. People throw the race card all the time. You're racist. You're racist. Every time we refer to a race, it's always, you know, you're racist or you're, there's no, you talk beautifully about prejudice, the distinction between prejudice and racism. But to put it in a nutshell, what is racism yeah, for well, our listeners? And this is important for us because we're both in interracial relationships too. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> You're married to a beautiful Filipino yes. woman. I'm married yeah. to a beautiful German and Irish woman. Right? So, so this is another thing we have in common here. Yeah. So, so the reason why I make the distinction very early in the book um, between prejudice and racism, because in our culture today, the terms have become conflated. Yep. So people, when, we, when, when they hear something, oh, it's racist. You hear racist, ra everything's racist. I'm like, no, hold on. We have to distinguish prejudice from racism. So uh, prejudice, the way I've defined it, is making a preconceived, uh, having a preconceived notion or making a preconceived judgment about someone mm -hmm. without any objective knowledge or subjective experience. Yeah. Okay. And so the example I used at the conference was uh, Men at Work, right? The, the, the Australian musical group that was very popular yes. in the States That's when right. I was younger had a song called The Land Down Under where they talked about eating a Vegemite sandwich. Now, I had yeah. no idea what Vegemite was. I didn't know anybody <laughs> from Australia. All I knew was this Australian man. Of course, I assume everybody in Australia loves hey, you Vegemite. you wouldn't have had Vegemite in the United States. Would no. You? They no. don't stock it. No. We don't have I think you have Tim Tams now. At the moment. Yes, yeah, yes, we saw it when my wife and I were in New York City and during Holy Week. Well, but, you can yeah. probably find Vegemite at a specialty store. Oh, you know okay. that, yes. that that specialize in importing foreign yes. types of food. We have those here that it. just have the American stuff. Yes, <laughs> right. So you can probably find Vegemite, but I guarantee you most Americans don't <laughs> don't even know what it is. Um, so so I made a prejudice assumption. So president doesn't necessarily have to be something that's bad mm -hmm. but it's just a, i just had this assumption that people like vegemite even mm -hmm. though i didn't really know what it even was and, and so we all have those to some extent right we all have prejudice either about food or something but the, the problem is when we have these prejudice toward people of color mm -hmm. right yes. and so racism is prejudice as i just defined it with the added piece that the reason i'm saying this is because i believe my race is superior to your race Yes, that's racism, right? So we have to separate. So, so the example I give in the book, and the classic example I always give when I talk about this, is um, the gentleman that came up to me at a parish mission that assumed because of the school I went to in the United States, which is, which is University of Notre Dame, which is very, very strong academically. It's a very difficult school to mm -hmm. get in. It's one of the elite schools in the states, but they're also famous for their. American yes, football NFL. team, yeah. you know, they're, they're famous for that. I mean, it goes all the way back to the 20s and 30s, how famous the school is for that. And so because I have the build of a footballer and because I, many footballers are black, he came up to me and said, oh, you went to Notre Dame. What position did you play? <laughs> so he just assumed that I played football. Yeah. When the fact is I've never played football yeah. because my high school didn't even have football. You know, uh, and, and see what he would. And so people would say that was racist. That was racist. Yeah. No, it was prejudice statement it was stupid and ignorant. And but but it wasn't racist because in order for that statement to be racist, he would have to have meant when he said it. The reason why I said that to you is because I don't believe that people of color are smart enough to get into a school of that caliber. The mm -hmm. only way yes. you can get into a school like that is through athletics. Well, maybe he just purely thought. 
you went to Notre Dame. Right. Notre Dame, and, as we say here in right, Australia. Right, Notre, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. And you just played football. See, had a white person asked him the same. Uh, if he would have asked a white person, he would have said, oh, you went to Notre Dame, what did you study? He would have probably had not made the assumption that they necessarily played football. Maybe he would. But I, ha- but I looked yeah. like a football say. So that's why I wasn't upset with the question because I go, oh, he just looked at me and made a judgment. Yeah. Um, it, but he, it wasn't racist because he didn't mean – because I know that because when he found out that I actually never played football, I got an academics. He said, oh, he pulled back and apologized and pulled back. And, you know, like, you know, rather than if he really meant it, he would have said, well – you know, you're you're a liar. You know, you, you can't get into a school like that, that kind of thing. That would have been racist. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, and then I talked about the difference between institutional racism and people That's... in institutions who are racist. So I talked about the church. The church herself can't be racist because it's founded by Jesus Christ. But there are people in the church exactly who are racist. Yeah. Right? It's, it's human error. It's not the teaching of the church, which is infallible. That's right. It's just simply and, the failure of individuals. And the people that up. do that aren't following what the church actually teaches. Exactly. Exactly. And we have to make the distinction there because yes. people fuse together what the failure of individual Catholics and even to the core church leaders. I mean, mm-hmm. especially today, we see a lot of different problems that we, that we could <laughs> point the finger at. But really, at the end of the day, the church's teaching is infallible, it's impeccable, it is the word of God, but how we live it, how people live up to it is a different situation. Yeah, that's so, right. That's right. So, so that's what racism and prejudice is. I think you define beautifully there uh, the distinction between those two. Now let's go in and speak about what does the church have to say about racism? What's the history? Does it go back to the very beginning? What's the, the earliest documented um, decree or let's say church document or do, do any of the fathers speak about racism uh, to start with and then throughout history up well, to now so st paul talks about there uh, there's one lord one faith one power no longer jew or greek slave or free male or female you know that kind yes, of thing there we go, saint so, paul. yeah so so he's talking about it's what brings us together is our faith in jesus christ yeah so all the other distinctions, physical, national. So when he, when he says there's no male or female, of course there's male and female. What, he, what he, he's trying to make, again, remember, he's, he's teaching like a rabbi, using hyperbole, yeah. exaggerating a point to make a point. He's not really saying there's no thing as male and female. He's saying what the differences that separate us mm-hmm. are no longer there because it's Christ that brings us together. Exactly. That's, okay. what, that's what he's saying. Or Jew, or Greek, or no, slave, or black free, person, or, or Maronite exactly, person. <laughs> or exactly. Chinese. Right, exactly. That's the point that he's making. So, so I mean, Christ goes back, I mean, without specifically, but love God, uh, you know, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so, and he doesn't make a distinction, well, except if the person is this, except that the person is that. No, so Christ makes it clear we are to accept and love everyone because we're made in the image and likeness of God. And you beautifully said in your talk here at the conference about the human race. You mentioned the human race. Uh, we, we, we're, we're the human race first and foremostly. And then ethnicity is not something we, we, we need to be, we, can't, we should be defined by. But we're sons and daughters of God. We have that divine affiliation. Uh, as sons and daughters of God, but we are the human race first and foremostly. And what do you think is the underlying reason why? What's the underlying cause of racism? Yeah, well, racism is the result of original sin, the Delta mm-hmm. sin. We're still dealing yeah. with the effects of original sin yeah. to this very day. 
So it's it's a manifestation of sin. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's basically what it comes down to. Um, it, it's a lack of understanding. So we have people that are different than us. And, and some people, again, racism is something that's learned behavior. Okay, you know, so if, learned, if, you, yeah. if you look anecdotally at kids on a playground, mm -hmm. those black, white, Hispanic, they don't care. They don't, they're just playing. They're just playing yeah. They don't care about, I'm not going to play with you because you're black. I mean, you don't see that, right? But over time, they, they begin to learn prejudices. Yep. They see images on television, social media, in books. They hear jokes yep. from parents or, or, or relative, from friends, from all these different sources. And so now they begin to think, well, maybe this is the way it is. Mm -hmm. You know, again, they, they start to develop these prejudices. And, and, and sometimes these prejudices are carried forward um, from our youth into, into our adulthood, even to our professional careers. Yep. So, for example, you may have a, a woman that works at a bank. And the bank is very clear. We do not discriminate. We look objectively at the criteria for issuing a loan mm -hmm. to a small business. Doesn't matter. Don't even look at race, color. Let's look at the numbers. Yeah, exactly. That, right? But you may have someone that works at the bank that says, you know, um, I grew up thinking that black people weren't very smart. So I'm not going to make any loans to anybody that's black because they probably won't be able to pay it back. And da, da, da. Hold on. The banks, you see what I'm saying? Exactly. So, so, exactly. So, so we have to make, we have to make the same. So it comes out of a sense of, uh, and that behavior is sinful. Mm -hmm. Now it becomes mortally sinful when we, we get to the level of like um, Ku Klux Klan and, or hate groups, uh, not, Nazi kinds of activities and things like that. Because remember, the criteria is grave matter for mortal sin, grave matter done with full knowledge and deliberate consent of the will. Yep. So racism would definitely fall into sin and it could also become mortal sin if it meets that criteria as well. Now going back to the definition of racism, is racism the hatred or the, the discrimination or prejudice? Is it more to do with the hatred of yeah, a particular thinking, race? You well, hate it's thinking that people. my race is superior to your race. And an, an inherent in that statement is saying you're less than me because indignity. of your race. Indignity. Yes. Exactly. Okay. In intellect and all those other things. Could, we say, could we say consequentially, we could say that British culture was more advanced in technology than that of indigenous, the indigenous Correct. lands that they colonized. So we could say there's that superiority in technology, in te not in the nature of the human being. Though. Could we say that it's superior in terms of the culture? Their culture is... Well, who's, who's to say that an industrialized nation is better than an aboriginal culture here in Australia? Mm-hmm. Because they don't have tech. What, what, what if they did this? Aliens come from outer space. Yeah, they have exactly. technology. That's kind of, right. You guys yeah. are just some primitive little earthlings. Because <laughs> all you can do is build a space station and go to the moon. You know, well, we, 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 we transverse, you know, uh, ac uh, across the galaxy. Exactly. You know, exactly. you guys are just, we don't, we don't, no one wants to be labeled. Does that make me less of a human being? Mm -hmm. Does that make my culture less mm -hmm. because we don't have the technology that you have? No, Absolutely how does that make not, me less yeah. of a person? So, so racism can go into the, obviously the dignity, that's definitely the case that, you know, that, that's what led to slavery. Yes. That these people are objects, they're not humans, they don't have the same dignity. We have a hatred and discrimination for their dignity. And also racism can extend to the fact that 
um, one culture might be more technologically advanced than the other and you discriminate against them because they're not the same. Now we could say there's a more positive element of a Christian culture because we do have the fullness of truth and we might bring that to another culture that's pagan. Could we say that, you know, our culture is, is, is better in the sense? No, you can't, it's not you can't say that it's no. better, it's different. Yeah. See, it's different. Uh, for example, in the book, one of the things uh, I do is uh, I talk about my, one of my favorite musicians of all times, Eddie Van Halen, yep. the, the guitar player. And so he, I remember watching, because after he died, you know, I was just like, oh, I want to find out more about him. So there was a, something I found on YouTube. He, it was like an American Heritage Foundation or something. We're talking about um, uh, immigrants who have made an impact on American life and culture. And obviously yep. one of the greatest guitar players of all time. So he was talking about when he came to this country, because he's Dutch. Mm -hmm. They didn't speak any English. Mm -hmm. So when they came to American schools, the, the people used to make fun of them and, uh, you know, take their homework and rip it up and take their lunch and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he said, the, uh, he said the, uh, the only kids that would even associate them with the black kids. Okay. So yeah. they yeah. were thrown into the same category as the black kids because there was segregation back yeah. there at the time. Yeah. And so the, he said his first friends were, were black kids mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you see so so it's not just a, a, a an issue of color mm -hmm. it, it also can extend to nationality and, and even religion yeah not are you maronites man what kind of liturgy is that our liturgy is better <laughs> than than that maronite liturgy, or or you know uh the latin rite mass is far superior than than to the the, the ordinary form of the mass and yeah you know we we can get into this now Eric, we're okay. better than you yeah we're better because than you. we have a a different, uh, a different liturgy. Now, you could say, look, this liturgy is done more reverently or yes, it's from one, the other. Yes, it's one liturgy But we can't say forms. we're better than people. Right, exactly. Yeah, we can't exactly. say. I think it's that fine balance that we really have to weigh up and, um, and, and really find that fine balance. But what's the spiritual danger of racism? Yeah, I think the big spiritual danger of racism is it what all sin does it starts to destroy god's life in you yeah right um when when i see you george i don't want to see lebanese mm -hmm. i want to see george australian. i don't want to see australian <laughs> i want to see white i don't want to see i want to see george you know and that's the way we sh i should be looking at mm -hmm. you and relating to you and speaking with you mm -hmm. which i do yeah you know um but so we can't let those kinds of things be a barrier because that builds up walls of division within us. Exactly. You know? exactly. And, and what we need to do is break down those walls of division and, and, and start to see each other with, through the eyes of Christ. So it threatens creation. It threatens our yes. respect for God's creation. Because if we're the human race and we're discriminating against someone on that basis, then the problem is that we're disrespecting God. That he indeed did create everybody, regardless of the different ethnic uh, compositions. We're disrespecting God, uh, the dignity that God gave to hum hum uh, humankind, essentially. That's we're, right. we're spitting right. back in the face of God and saying, oh, well, these people are less because they're not like me uh, or they're not as advanced as our society or um, they're, yeah, for any other reason. I yeah, mean, and, we, and we also have to be careful about labeling. Like, for yeah. example, I'm a Lebanese Catholic. I'm this kind of Catholic. Exactly. Okay, now, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, people say I'm a black Catholic. But when I think about it, I think I'm a Catholic who's black. Yeah. Because like I said, when I stand before Jesus Christ to be judged, he's not going to ask me how black I am. He's <laughs> going to say, did you follow me? You know, I gave you talents, 
right? I gave you the gift of diaconate. I gave you the gift of fatherhood. And I gave you the gift of being a husband. Mm -hmm. Did you honor me in those talents that I gave you? He's yeah. not gonna, now that doesn't mean I deny my ethnicity. I love my Caribbean culture. I love of our course. food. I speak of our course. dialect. I love our music. So, but that doesn't define who I am mm -hmm. being a loyal son of the living God yes. and a follower of Jesus Christ defines who I exactly. am. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and not, not saying that my ethnicity is not important, but that doesn't determine who I am. The problem is we live in a culture today where we're allowing political affiliation, ethnicity, gender to define who I am and not Jesus Christ. Uh, 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 and, and, and God being made in his image and likeness. What we're trying to do is to make, the culture's trying to make God in its own image and likeness. That's the problem. And let's go into that a little bit because I think, I think we understand very clearly that racism is wrong and prejudice is wrong on a dignity level, on a consequential level, depending on cultures. I think that's clear, but I think where we can have, and, and the church has been pretty good today. I mean, there's been problems in the past where some American bishops and clergy did participate in slavery. Yes, that's correct. I think we're past that on a social level in most places in the world, hopefully. But the, the problem I see in the church sometimes is that we can, we can have that segregation within the church. Your Maronites, yes. uh, your, uh, your Chaldeans, your Eastern Catholics, where... We're Latin mass Catholics, where we can divide the church into our spirituality or right or church that we belong to. And then, I mean, it's funny because I went to an Eastern Catholic uh, school and I'll tell you this story. Uh, it was the feast of St. Maroon, uh, the founder of the Maronites. And, and, and then the priest was giving a homily on the universal church and how the Maronites are part of the universal church. And... One girl woke up, uh, I think she was sleeping during the homily. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are we Catholic? <laughs> and the whole uh, church burst into laughter. But that's an example there that sometimes in different communities within the church, different Eastern rites or spiritualities in the West, we can segregate or become a ghetto. Yeah. And that yeah. is to the detriment of our ultimate cause, which is to save souls. Yeah. Like, for instance, in different Catholic organizations, I've experienced certain, certain people might take over or, or control it. And then it becomes a, a club, you know, for it might become, you know, an Asian club or a Filipino club or, or a Lebanese club. Uh, and there's that affiliation there with that group that's that's trying to evangelize and bring people there. But, but it's characterized based on that ethnicity or culture. As Dr. Robert Haddad said, you know, <laughs> apologetics is not a, Leb a Lebanese thing. Yeah. You know, or right. it's things like this that really, that really irk me and make me angry because we shouldn't be. It's beautiful to share the different ethnic, um, our different heritage, uh, bring our heritage to the table or our spirituality. So all can experience it beautifully. But I think where we cross the line, it becomes all about being whatever our spirituality is or if you're a a lay, a lay Franciscan or Dominican, it becomes all about that. Then that's and to the exclusion of focusing on uniting together and just for getting to the point, you know, putting our spiritualities to the side and getting to the point of saving souls, evangelizing, being effective in whatever organization. I thought I'd bring that up because yeah, I think yeah. that's the and problem where that racism or that division exists today. Yeah, that's a challenge it, for us. We even see it in parishes. 
If you have a Hispanic group or a Vietnamese group or a Filipino group and say they have a mass in their language Mm -hmm. and so, well, yeah, there's a tendency to say sometimes, well, that's their mass. Yeah. That's their mass. Exactly. It's all our mass. Mm -hmm. But so, 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 and the reason they have it in their language is because they're trying to preserve their culture. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they're not not saying, well, you can't come to this mass. This is only for Hispanics or this is only for... Vietnamese, you can't come. They're not saying that, but what, but 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 sometimes we don't want to go there. I don't know what they're saying. I mean, my mass is ten o'clock, and that's. I think Latin might mass. make it easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're not everybody. Well, same and we're the same thing with the Latin mass. Well, that's just like we do with the with yeah. the ethnicities. We do well. That's the Latin mass. But I don't understand Latin anyway, so I'm not going to go to that. <laughs> just like I'm not good to Hispanic mass. So we, we we have to be careful. I think what we need to do is open ourselves to different experiences. You know, go to one of those ethnic masses. Go to the Latin Rite Mass. Go and try to understand. Go to the Eastern Rites. Yeah, exactly. Right. If you're just, well, I'm just going to go to English and Latin. No, go to the Eastern Rite. Go to the Maronite Rite. Go to the Byzantine Rite, the Armenian Rite. Experience or, or even the Anglican Ordinariate, which mm-hmm. is an, in exactly. the West. You know, beautiful liturgy. And the Latin Mass, traditional Latin Mass, if you don't already go to there. It, I, I think that's the best way to sort of broaden our horizons. Um yeah, and we an begin to break down those barriers because now we're entering into someone's experience. You exactly. know, now we're saying, you know, you're not just over there with your liturgy. I'm a, I actually care about, mm-hmm. you know, what, what I just want to enter your experience. So I want to be able to to see you the way God sees you. And this I want to break down walls of prejudice within myself because so, I, so I'm entering into your experience. You know what, Dick? I just important. had a thought. The antidote to racism is the Catholic faith. Yeah, that's my point. That's my wrote my, my book about. Course, universal yes, Church. Exactly. I think the Catholic Church has a tremendous opportunity now to take the lead mm-hmm. in an important issue in the life of our culture today. Because we often don't, let's be real, marriage, gender, we don't really speak out very much. We don't preach on it very much. And then when the laws pass, people get upset and they get angry. And then bishops issue statements, but it's too late at that point. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to this issue, we can actually take the lead and have people for once they turn around and say, look what the Catholic Church is doing. Man, you know, that, that's, a, that's a great power. Let's follow that. Exactly. You know, and I think, I think we the have The salvation of souls. I mean, that's our yes. mission. That's our, when you think about it and you focus on that, and sure, you might go to a Maronite liturgy, a traditional Latin mass. You might have a different spiritual ethnicity or whatever tradition. But at the end of the day, we should all be able to put aside whatever rite we practice or everything and come to the table and save souls. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what makes us Catholic. And I think the reality is that our aspiration for salvation is what unites us, really, as our first and foremost. Yeah, wanting uh, wanting heaven for the other person, mm-hmm. even if they're a different color, a different race. Exactly. You know, exactly. But, but we have to care about that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the things I recommended was having study groups in the parish where you're going through some of the amazing documents of the church on this issue of race that can bring people together, yeah. but getting people to care enough. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. You don't wake up every morning like, oh, I got to go to work today. Where's my coffee? And, Boy, I think I'm going to really break down the walls of racial barriers today. I mean, it's, like, <laughs> you know, it's not something that you wake up thinking about every yeah. day because you have your own life, your own struggles, your own spirituality, the only things you're dealing with. And so you have to do the work of caring enough to even begin to have those conversations mm-hmm. and to work toward that. Because it takes yeah. work, you know? So, it's a waste of time, racism, really, especially for us as Catholics or even focusing on it. Because we have a job to do, save souls or make in the image and likeness of God. We need to get to heaven. We're here to save souls. Whether you're black or white, whatever whatever ethnicity you are, 
we have to band together and save souls. I mean, that's that's the focus. We can't waste time. Um, I, th I think it's really of the devil. It's a serious waste yeah. of time, especially for Catholics. It, look, people may have prejudices. We, really, all, we all do to some extent or another. Yeah, yeah. We all do. Yeah. You know, this person might be Chinese. They, they might be... <laughs> well, I mean, you see someone that's smart Asian, and you think, oh, yeah, they're smart in math and play violin when they're three years old or yeah. something. I mean, wh see, where does that come from? It comes from learning and yeah, conditioning over all these different things. It's a learned behavior. Which is not true because, it, you know, just because someone is a certain thing doesn't mean it meets the characteristics that you saw on television. Mm -hmm. We have to look at people individually and get to know that person. Yeah. You know, that's why, you know, I'm looking at your beautiful wife right now. Yeah. You know, I don't want to see... Filipino. Yeah. Although I love Filipino food. I've been to the <laughs> Philippines four times. I love the culture. I really do. I love in fact the best reception I've ever had in the world, the largest audiences I've ever spoken to. I'm talking about thousands of people. Uh six thousand people one day and then twenty seven thousand people. Wow. The mall, mall of Asia Arena. I got on my phone, I show you the video. Wow. Uh, at the Mall of Asia Arena. 27,000 people, you know, and it was, it was the most amazing shopping. experience while they're shopping you know? and, and, and to be received as a Catholic was beautiful, but also to be black yep. and to know that those people want to hear what I have to say, you know, as a Catholic who's black. Right. So, I'm, I mean, they're hearing what I have to say because it, it, they're not coming to see a black Catholic. They're hearing to someone who's on fire and in love with Jesus Christ, yeah. who wants to be inspired to follow Jesus with all their heart and their soul and their mind and their strength. The fact that I'm black for me is icing on the cake. Now, here's a you question. Know? Here's a question for us. We're in a society in the West. We're, we're all attempting here in Australia. We're trying to raise the indigenous voice to a larger mm -hmm. extent. We're always trying to include cultures and make up for what, for let's say the lack of, you know, uh, Asian people in certain things or, or middle eastern people any people of an ethnicity should we as catholics participate in that and say well we want to include women or more black catholics in in, in this arena or more um or sh should organizations within the church participate in that making up for that or should we just encourage everybody to participate and take leadership roles in the church or or, uh, or academia or anything else within the church, what what approach should we take? Should we should we? Yeah, I I think a couple of things. First of all, we have to be careful not to adapt societies or cultural ways of dealing with this issue. Yeah, you know we have to follow the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's that's, that's what I think. Yeah, what made um, leaders in this area like Martin Luther King or Gandhi? You know, I watched Gandhi on the flight on the that's way right, over here. Yeah. Which is, I mean, like almost four hours long that movie, <laughs> but um, but 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 they they wanted to you know fight and fight back. He said, no, we must be peaceful, you know. So we have to be in our countercultural. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, Martin Luther King, same thing, countercultural. Jesus, countercultural. Jesus told the truth; they killed him. Mm -hmm. You know, so we have to be leery about adopting cultural standards and cultural ideas for how to deal with these things. The second thing is we should deal with people based on their merit. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you have a job opening and you have uh, in the parish, you have a, 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 an Asian person, a black person, a white person, you know, the first thing you should not think, well, I'm going to hire the white person because obviously they're more qualified. You haven't yeah. even looked it on the paper and see who's what. You should hire the person who's best fits the job and best fits. We shouldn't say, let's say black people have been oppressed and maybe a black person could do with this job. Right. Better than this white person that might, we shouldn't be thinking like and that. And we should be actually encouraging person. people of color to apply. Yeah. 
you know, which so we should be participating uh, yes. in, in encouraging people of color Absolutely. to apply. But equally not saying that we just we white people shouldn't apply. It's about well, getting it's, that it's, balance. It shouldn't be, Everybody I'm, should be I'm applying. looking for a black person to fill this position. No, you're yeah. looking for a qualified person to fill that position. And encourage and if they're black, everybody yeah, right, to and apply. And if they're black, and if Great. we see that people of color are typically not applying in that situation to that job, we should encourage them, hey, apply. Yes. If, if it's all, let's say, um, a particular right, uh, people, are oh, we only seeing... Uh, I mean, you don't want to discriminate. I'm really trying to articulate correctly. If you see that a lot of women, for example, are not applying to this job, encourage women where, where there's right, a exactly. lack of deficiency. But but really, we got to regulate it back to, hey, everyone's welcome to apply. We're here to find uh, the best. We want to encourage everybody to apply and we want to find the person of best merit. And to give everyone that equal opportunity, they need to apply. We're not just going to give it to them because they're, they're a minority. I know we're trying to increase women in government, but we should be asking, encourage women to apply and everybody else to apply to, to run for offices and eventually they get in and, and, and we find that. I think it's doing that in a natural way, not trying to force it um, th that you see often there and then. But let's go into three practical tools in person. You know, yeah, some so, very practical tools. Yeah, How so. can we fight racism as Catholics within the church and in society? Because we don't want it to plague the within the walls of the church uh, to preserve that unity and outside in society. What should we do, whether we're someone of color or not? How should yeah. we fight it? What is so some I think the number tools? one thing is to uh, see the image and likeness of God in the person standing in mm -hmm. front of you. That's key. Yeah. Um, when, you, when you can look at a person and not see, because sometimes you look at someone of a, of a different race or different ethnicity or even different um, religious expression, mm -hmm. right? You said Maronite. Oh, yeah, oh, so you have, you have to stop with the preconceived notions and just deal with the person who's standing in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is absolutely key to be even begin to remove walls of prejudice, yeah. you know, because now, now we're not using... Again, if, if if prejudice and racism is learned behavior, we can unlearn it. <laughs> that that I, I really can. believe that we, we can, can unlearn it. But it starts with seeing the image and likeness of God and the person standing in front of you. So, and and, and sometimes that may involve conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, I I talk about how um, if someone came up to me, you know, Deacon Harold, um, for some reason, whenever I'm around someone that's black or someone that's Hispanic, I get scared. Or I think certain things. I'm like, that's a common even, thing. I don't even know that person. Why am I thinking? This is so stupid. Can we talk about that? Now, that may be a difficult conversation to have, but it's honest. And you're really trying to work through yeah. things that you're recognizing in yourself that are, that are deficient. Um, uh, that's problematic. And let's work through it together. You that's know, right. that's and to have those conversations. That's a, that's a sensible approach. Yeah. A really sensible approach. Um, to, to looking at it that way, that you know, most people do have stereotypes. So you're an Arab, <laughs> yeah. They might have preconceptions about what they've watched on TV, and we've been conditioned a lot by the media. Or oh, this person's black, and we should think a certain way about certain people. This person's white, you know, they must be <laughs> treated differently. So, so it's 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 very interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, so so that would that would be one for sure. I think the second thing is is appreciate the great gifts of cultural diversity we all bring to the table as mm -hmm. Catholics. Um, so one of the things I, I talked about at the conference was um, putting images up of 
different saints uh, in the church that are different color. Exactly. You know, different. Exactly. So just because your church, you know, you don't have many people of color in your church, that doesn't mean you can't put up pictures of Josephine Paquita or Saint Augustine. Saint Juan Diego, Saint Augustine. Um, you know, uh, I think often he's portrayed. Uh, uh, Our Lady as, of Levang, and all, you know, yeah, you know, he's portrayed. I think Saint Augustine in a lot of the photos not portrayed to be. He he would have been a, a darker individual. Yeah, yeah, he's African. He's yeah. African. So, I, I think. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Jesus would have looked Middle Eastern as well. That's right, <laughs> right. I mean, we see we see it's these art, images of so, Jesus, yeah. and then some people get offended. Like mm -hmm. Our Lady of Lavang in our parish, mm -hmm. she has Vietnamese features because when she appeared in Guadalupe, she had yeah. uh, Mexican features. When she appeared in Vietnam, she had Vietnamese features. Mm -hmm. well, that's not really Mary. Mary looked like a European person from France. Uh, no, she didn't. She was a Middle Eastern. I mean, you ever? She's a Palestinian Jew. Yeah, Have you ever exactly. been to Palestine? Have exactly. you seen what Palestinian Jews look like? Exactly. They ain't white. You know, they're not European. You know, but see, and the thing is, in the end, George, there's no physical description of Jesus in the gospel at all because yeah. it didn't matter what he looked like. It didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. The teaching is what mattered. Mm -hmm. You know, so we have to break down the barrier. Again, not not saying that we don't appreciate people's gifts of diversity that they bring but we um we but we don't let those define who we who we are mm -hmm. but but to have those in the church i mean we talk about learned behavior imagine a little child walking into a church and seeing the beautiful diversity yes seeing saint Maroon. why who is that why is he wearing that funny thing on his head you know well he was a, he was a monk yeah but but um, I know the monks at Dominicans, they don't look like that. <laughs> well, he's, he's, I mean, see, so they're learning to appreciate yeah. the richness of other That's see, right. And these are That's saints right. in the Catholic Church. That's right. St. Marin is a saint in the Catholic Church. Exactly. He's, yeah, he's Marin. He's a Maronite. He's founded the Maronites and St. Charbel. St. Charbel has, has probably more miracles attributed to him than, than, thousands. than thousands, than many other saints. And a lot of people don't even know who he is. Exactly. Exactly. Don't know many people is. do. Many people you know, don't. You know what I'm saying? So, so we need to, to, uh, to expand our knowledge. And the other Byzantine the saints, you know, for yeah, the Byzantine sure. Catholic churches. And uh, you have, um, so, uh, there's, uh, there was a great, uh, when I was in Rome, I think one of the last uh, statues around the Vatican was an Armenian saint. You know, there, there's just such a diversity. Catholicism, by being Catholic and embracing the fullness of the church in both lungs, as a result of that, you should become more cultured or more mm -hmm. multicultural. I think as a result of that, because you see that race doesn't race is put to the side, color, um, gender, and we are sons and daughters of God. We have all a goal to get to heaven, and we're all created by God. Who cares if you're black? Who yeah. cares if you're Middle Eastern or Asian or whatever you are? It doesn't matter. Should it cross people's minds? Now, here's something that I think we battled in Australia, the racism. There's still racism out there. But I think comedy actually contributed to fighting racism yeah. and cutting yeah. out those stereotypes. What do you think of... <laughs> I mean, in the United States, we, uh, there's lots of great comedians. Yeah. And me and my wife watch yeah. them. So I remember um, watching... They used to have these uh, Hollywood roasts. Yeah. Where they would roast famous, and, and the jokes they told, oh my goodness, they were <laughs> they were some off-color jokes and like I mean just like I mean, but it was it was funny because it they weren't serious. Yeah, exactly. You know, they either they were playing up all these stereotypes, all these racist stereotypes, but it was done out of good humor. Do you think that's what we need? 
stereotypes well, but, uh, can be killed with humor. Yeah. And, and, so that way and, you're not offending people, but it teaches us the balance. I, I think that's how a lot of people in Australia overcame racism. They went to school with Arabs. They went to school with black people, Asian people, and everyone just uh, lightly made fun of it, bantered with each other. And then they, they grew, uh, they grew um, out of these stereotypes. Mm-hmm. I think that could be a positive tool. Maybe yeah, and, and the, the it, it, I think I, I agree with you, but we live in a world that's so politically yeah, exactly. correct right exactly. now. Exactly, that's that the everybody problem. and their mother is going to be offended. Exactly, and, and but it, it's it's so it's so stupid though. We can't even laugh at each other or about each other now mm. because that we're going to offend someone. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous, mm. you know. Um, but I, I think humor can be a way of beginning to recognize stereotypes and then beginning to, to break those down. Yeah. So why was that, you know, you tell a joke, why was that joke funny? Mm-hmm. You laugh at it because it is funny, but then it's like, oh, wait a minute, that's that's kind of not true, mm. you know, but you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. So, so, so you get you get into it, and maybe uh, the, the humor can be a way to open up the discussions that we were talking about before. I, I, I think so, yeah. On a social level, I think... That could be a practical thing, but uh, let's go into practical tool number three. Yeah, so number What's three, I think, would one? be prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, praying to help recognize your own prejudices. Mm-hmm. And, and then once you do recognize, well, how do I get rid of this? Besides the dialogue, right, uh, is the fasting. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. um, we, we are horrible at fasting in, in Catholics. Yeah. You know? In so the West, about in the West at least. I mean, I mean, obviously monks and, and nuns that are employed. I mean, they fasting is just a normal part of their everyday lived experience. Yeah. But for but for us, I mean, for example, in, in Lent, we have one fasting day. That's Ash Wednesday. That's right. That's right. You know, in the and, West. In the in the West. In the West. In the West. You know, so so we we could do more there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, with regard to fasting, and not just fasting from food, but fasting is something we enjoy and offer that. You know what we feel is missing all oh, that hunger that thirst that desire for that that thing that i'm missing and unite because our, our, our real hunger and desire and thirst for it is a deep relationship with god exactly so to unite that fast with our prayer mm-hmm. powerful powerful combination even jesus tells us right, right remember, uh, he said that some demons can only be cast out by prayer and fasting mm-hmm. and maybe the demon mm-hmm. of racism and prayers can only be cast out by <laughs> prayer and fasting exactly exactly and um Mate, they're just three powerful tools. I think you can take action today very, very clearly uh, with these three practical tools. And we, we can take action. We can really start to get, heal those, those prejudices. If you're in a parish, if you're in a group or you're running a particular group, what you can do is take action. Uh, uh, cause a Tower of Babylon situation. Let's yeah. describe that. Get all cultures to mix with each other. I actually suggested when I was on the parish council in my uh, cathedral, I actually uh, suggested, you know, a parish uh, uh, food day. I think, I think it's good that all cultures should be able to share food. Uh, and, and that's what you do at your parish. Yes. Uh, you well, and, and, and the food, like I said, you know, the, and this goes back to our point about ethnicity. So the ethnicity of the, the various cultures in the parish, you come together around the food. Yeah. With, with, but the goal is... Is like you said, the saved souls to have a deeper understanding that we are all part of one family of God. We're all Catholic, but it's those different, beautiful uh, ways that we express our ethnicity and our mm-hmm. culture. But when we come together, what what's uniting us really yeah. is that relationship with Jesus Christ and followers. And it should Catholic. amaze us that the gospel can reach different ethnicities yet mm-hmm. be the same. 
There's yes. That, there's yes. that diversity, but there's that unity. Mm-hmm. That, that's what just amazes me. Well, that's me. the Trinity. Exactly. You know, there's three, but yeah. there's, they're, they're, they're one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the beautiful thing, especially about Latin, as, as the universal language of the church, and it unites mm-hmm. everybody, a soldier who was fighting the Vietnam War, for example, uh, at the time, and uh, or, or before in any world wars, uh, would go overseas and anywhere, and then it could be a Chinese priest who turned around and said, Dominos Vobiscom. Yeah. You know? And then he goes home to his hometown, it's the same priest, Dominos Vobiscom. It's it, having that universal language also you know, is a good, beautiful thing. Um, but regardless of that, we're all here to save our souls and get to heaven with a church militant. And I want to talk about your book that's coming up next year um, about racism. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Building a Civilization of Love, a Catholic Response to Racism. And I, I wrote that book during the pandemic because, mm-hmm. again, I was home like, what do I do now? So I wrote two <laughs> books. Um, but this book is, um, like I said, I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm very excited about it. Um, you know, what's interesting, uh, this book is being published by Ignatius Press. You know, Excellent. Catholic publisher. Yes. But what, what, how I knew this book was important. I mean, I, I felt that I had something to say that was worthwhile in the book. And when I submitted it, I received an email from the publisher mm-hmm. himself, um, you know, Mark Brumley and Father Fessio, you know, who's the founder <laughs> yes. of Ignatius Press. Yeah. And Father they Fessio. told me that they were going to do, go through the book themselves, they mm-hmm. do the edits themselves. I was like, Not just Whoa. simple editors. Yeah. Because they're going to personally they look per- at it. They did, and they did. They personally went through the book and made some suggestions how I could say things differently. Because, you know, as a, as a theologian, so I, sometimes in my head... I'm saying, oh, people understand this, and sometimes they no. can't understand. <laughs> and so it takes that, and that's how I think the editing process is so important. Yeah. You have another set of eyes. You have independent people looking at it yeah. from each angle, but not trying to lose that message there. Right. Just cleaning so it up. I, I was honored, actually, really honored that that uh, you know the men of that caliber would would want to go through and and help me you know um, smooth out some of the because I don't think anyone has actually written or addressed within the church. No one has actually addressed racism the way you have at the right. moment. Right, so th- there, are books out, there are books out there uh, about dealing with racism, but... Um, Not the current know. problems, like Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, right, right. everything else that goes back to... Yeah, Dr. Marx, Ed Faser actually just, just uh, released a book on critical race theory mm-hmm. and racism. Yeah. So, so in my book, critical race theory and those things, they're just a chapter in the book, mm-hmm. but his whole book is about critical race theory. Okay. It's very, very well done. Excellent. So I would say if people want to find out more about that, don't wait for my book. Get Dr. Ed Fazer's book. So I think something great came out of our little problem that we had with the promo up on my show of Black Lives Matter. I think (laughs) a new book was born. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, I started to see that in the racial issues in our country. Yeah. And 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 even here, a lady talked to me at length today about the aboriginal aboriginal issues and indigenous folks there and some of the tensions that are still happening. So, so I think the book is timely, not just for the United States, but for Australia and other countries as well that are still dealing with this issue. Excellent. Thank you so much for being with me here yeah, in George, person. It's great to, to have you here in, in Sydney. Absolutely. I'm and we'll to continue to collaborate and work together more closely. Yes. And um, that's what I hope we'll do for the future and, um, and how we can work together more closely, the Catholic Toolbox and you yourself as dynamic deacon. And uh, we're proud to have you as a partner and... Uh, You've been a personal inspiration to me, and oh, thank uh, it's you. great to have you here in person. Thank you, George. Appreciate thank you it very, very much. much. Honored to be with you today. Yes, and don't forget to tune into the Catholic Toolbox by going into the Catholic Toolbox Show. 
Show.com, thezikatiktoolboxshow.com, or you can subscribe on any podcast platform wherever you get your podcast from. So, thank you for tuning in to the Catholic Toolbox, the art of practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manassa. Until next week, God bless, take care, and take action. Thank you, Miguel. It's finished. In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves Do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today. Live on The Voice of Charity.